Fuck skeletons. Fuck Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 255. Welcome home, lady. My name is Josh Canal. To my left... Hang on. I know you. You're that guy from that thing. You did... It's Dave Lawson. The other guy. Oh, yeah, you're the other guy. The other guy who's not Stephen Curry. Right, that's you, Dave Lawson. Good, um, it's not, a, it's a good evening, it's a good sort of uh, whatever time we're in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good uh, ethereal. Yeah. Yeah, good ethereal. Thanks for um, inviting me in to, uh, to this time. So our, our pleasure, to my right, is Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Thank you, Josh, for that uh, warm welcome home. You're the, uh, but you're, I'm not a lady. You're the guy who's not who's not Dave Lawson. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm looking out. No one looking out. There's the, there's Dave Lawson and the guy who's not Dave Lawson, and of course Toby Halligan, who will be taking notes of everything that we say. I'm that just will hoping, uh, come up later on in Trotters when he tells us what we did and did not get right. I'm just hoping with a bit of our help, uh, people will just hear the name Dave Lawson and uh, immediately know who we're talking about. Yeah, well that that's but what happened. I think it's past time. It's, it's what really? happened with... Yeah, James Talia was just, you know, he was just another journo on Nine until uh, he started making regular appearances on Box Cutters and then foreign correspondent for uh, for, for Channel Nine really? until Carl Stefanovic discovered a second brother. So I could be um, become a journalist? No. No, he actually went through the training and stuff. Oh, okay. Anyway, he'll, he'll talk about journalism right. and, uh, and, and TV news later on in this show. We will have James Talia on the telephone. So you can ask him all about your next career move, if you okay, like, Dave. That would be good. I don't actually, need that. Actually, it's interesting, a bit of backstory. Uh, generally, if we mention people uh, dying who aren't, uh, then we kill them. Uh, but people who come on the show, we give them life. Not, not even people mentioning people dying. Because like, I, I, just... I just mentioned John Updike, mm-hmm. for example, like mm-hmm. when, when they were making the, the Witches of Eastwick uh, TV series again. Uh and I mentioned John Updike, and the next morning he was dead. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a true thing. It's it's not completely a joke. So now that now that you've been now that you've been on the show, Dave, yeah. and twice, like that yeah. just cements your sure, longevity. So this could this is it's an upward trajectory from here. Yeah, yeah. We can make them. We can break them. Really? Yeah. For example, last time you were on the show, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, was, that was a yeah. last last time you were on the show, and you said Channel Seven has like. All their support behind the bounce. Yep. Uh, of course, you, you were here talking about the bounce, yep. Channel yep. 7's then football show. And then the next day, they pulled it from air. Uh, that's an example of the, the strength of box cutters. Like, sometimes we mention something and it just goes. But yeah, with, I understand. with actual humans... Uh, the same thing happened with me in Channel 7 a, a couple of weeks ago on uh, on ABC local radio in, in Queensland, where I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing Con- Conviction Kitchen. And, uh, and then that afternoon, they decided to pull it. From the schedule, so what? It's not on anymore. Oh, delayed. I, it was never on. It, it hasn't been on yet. It's oh, been delayed. I knew you were a powerful group, but that's not how, that powerful. That's we are so powerful. We are unaware of our own powers. <laughs> it's like the first four episodes of Heroes, but for five years. Wow, I know. It's All ridiculous. Right. Well, so tomorrow I should wait by the phone. It's going to start ringing. Ring a ding a ding a. Dave Lawson, hello. <laughs> I've got a uh, million dollar truck to back up to your house. Really? You go, right. oh, well, I don't have a driveway, but you know, All right, just so, be careful. So don't leave the house tomorrow. Clear it That's with the council. Saying. All right, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Is, uh, later on in the show, we're going to review the new David E. Kelly show, Harry's Law. Mm. 
uh, about a guy named Harry who uh, has a son named Dave. It's a yep. and his uh, no son named Dave. Well, then it's Dave Law son. Oh. Uh, did I watch that was the right? One, yeah. Did I watch it's the terrible. right? I might have watched a different Harry's Law then. Oh, did you watch one with Kathy Bates yeah. where she, uh, yeah. Is that not yeah. the right Harry's no, Law? No, that's the right Harry's Law. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. yeah, I was just making stuff up. I, I was, I was just, worried for a second then, you were about know. to break me. No, no, just, uh, you know, that's that's just what we do to rookies. <laughs> right, just, <laughs> hazing, is it? Hazing. Yeah, just a little, little bit of hazing. They, they, apparently uh, they almost called it uh, Thomas Jefferson, but too many people thought it was the follow-up to John Adams. Nice. That's yep. good. You yep. should have just saved that for the segment. You really you really should have Don't saved that for the segment. Yep. Uh, we've, uh, as I said, James Tarley is going to be uh, calling in later on. We've got one thing. I'm going to do a very brief review of a Heart to Heart 1996 telly movie that I saw called Till Death Do Us Heart. Uh-huh. And uh, we've, uh, we've got the, uh, the, the results of last week's quiz <gasps> and uh, pork with Toby Halligan's Trotters. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> By now you are no doubt aware of everything that has been going on in Egypt, but something that is uh, box cutters particular to the Egypt saga is that TV journalists have been detained in Egypt. Uh, by by the, uh, the, the Wild West law, as the, it were, over there. The, let's call them authorities. So police or army? So the police have just turned into... I mean, basically once... You know that, when, you, when you know that you've already off, asked me... More information than I have. <laughs> when everything you know kicked off, basically uh, somebody went in and took all the armaments from the police stations. And uh, this was just before, uh, I believe, all the prisoners were released in Egypt. Well, this is, uh, this, this is uh, uh, that, that aside, this is an extension or uh, part of the larger cutting out any information to come out of Egypt. And one of the things that Egypt did was turn off the internet. Mm-hmm going in or out of Egypt, uh, which would have made it very difficult for journalists as well as, uh, let's call them citizen journalists or bloggers or tweeters or whatever it is that you want to call them. Uh, But there were journalists that were detained. There was an Egyptian journalist, I believe, who was uh, shot and killed by snipers. Uh, Things are very dangerous for for journalists in that area at the moment. Uh, Hopefully that's one thing. I mean, we've talked about this kind of topic with James Talia a, a lot in the past, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll maybe touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, I have not heard any recent developments on things lightening up in Egypt. Has anybody heard anything? Has, have, has everyone just gotten out the party poppers and gone, oh, oh we've, we've calmed down now and, uh, and it's all right? Nothing no, it's, uh, it's, it's still a stalemate. Uh, Mubarak uh, won't get out and uh, that's what the rioters want. Uh, basically, he's, he's an 83-year-old. Uh, he's been in power for 30 years. Uh, he's never stood for a uh, fair and free election. Uh, he's pretty much a dictator. The people are sick and tired of it. They want him out. He came out the other day and said, Ah, oh, it's fine. I meant to, I, I was planning on having an election in September, November, sometime then, and uh, so so everybody is, just settle down and, and we'll have good elections then. This is the, that wasn't the, enough for anybody. The ramifications, though, for for TV news especially. I mean, the uh, 
uh, a, a lot of journalists have have started using faxes uh, to get information out and uh, and and to of, dig them out of the yeah, storage. They're really <laughs> back in the newsrooms. They're, they're resorting to to old technology. For a lot of TV journals, I would imagine that uh, the the reliance on uh, international networks of very fast moving data would be a, a large part of where they were. Phones uh, have uh, seemingly been unaffected, though. Like mobile phones, phones have been okay. Phones have been unaffected. So I, I wonder if newsrooms would have had to go back to that old uh, picture of the journalist uh, with a voice <laughs> reel to reel sign, yeah. sign waiver, a reel to reel. And uh, and the voice of the journalist coming over the lines. The, the VU meter. Well, in, the, in your first first and second world war, wars, you had um, actual artists going in and drawing and sketching. There was no photography then. That was maybe you'll have to go back to that. Yes, and oh, and they'd uh, they'd send over like telegrams with the uh, with the the commentary, and they'd have somebody in the studio. Uh, Talking about it, and uh, oh, he's hit him in the helmet, and and tap, tap. I can't get it here. Uh, I don't. I don't have a pen to, to tap you, against a uh, a wooden plate here. Are you confusing <laughs> war with cricket? Oh yes, Brad. Yes, but yes, very similar. You know, that's that's happening again. So the journalists are getting uh, they're getting beaten up as well, aren't they? Over in Egypt, yeah, they're getting they're getting roughed up. Journalists are getting beaten up. They're getting roughed up, and the. Uh, and it's it's very it's very difficult for them to cover under those circumstances. I, mm. I would imagine. Uh, there's, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have very, very much to offer other than this is happening, and we've talked quite a bit in the last few weeks about uh, about regimes taking down uh, TV networks because they don't like what the TV networks are saying about them uh, in in countries all over the world, but. Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen journalists attacked. Like there, there were, for for a long time, there were journalists like they were just untouchable because mm. they had a job to do and they weren't really interfering. But and this is more than just someone jumping around in the background. Yeah, this is they're, they're getting shot. They're, yeah, this was a, a photojournalist I, I think who who got shot. But uh, journalists for CBS, the American network, were detained. And then sent back to to the US from Egypt. Uh, there was a, an Australian uh, journalist and cameraman who were chased down an alley and uh, beaten by an angry mob in right. Egypt uh, as uh, one of the foreign correspondent crews. And the, the the problem the problem I think they would face is that there are like often in these situations there is only one set of angry mob. There is an angry mob who want their story told, and then there's the army. But in this case, there are two sets of angry mobs and the army who doesn't know where they stand. I think the added confusion would be remarkable for them. As a journalist, I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not a journalist. Not yet, but not wait yet. till you speak to James. <laughs> I'll be a journalist. Is this the sort of thing you look for when you go into these zones? Do you think um, they want it to... As a journalist, do you like it to be a bit sort of aggressive and... To sort of I don't think hunt. they like being the, the target of the aggression. Uh, right. And generally, I think when they go into these kind of zones, these kind of situations, they're generally left alone mm. uh, because they're not fighting on either side and, and they're there. So, you know, there are, there are reasons why various people on various sides uh, would want word to get out, the reportage to get out. Well, I was watching uh, Mel and Koshy reporting from the Cyclone Yazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the the morning after, and they seemed sort of there wasn't much for them to report on. 
uh, during the morning. I think Koshi had so a disappointed. They did look. There was something about them that they wanted something more because Koshi was trying to. There was only so many times he could sort of point to a, an awning that had almost fallen down. <laughs> Uh, and and Mel did seem a little bit disappointed that, that there was that nothing else had, had happened, that, and I wondered. That was actually one of, one of the few times when radio had the added advantage because they had uh, they had tape of people overreacting that they could play over and over again, which is right. which is what uh, which is what they had on the ABC. They had five or six very very strong snippets of uh, of about four seconds each. From from different people who commenting on the on the cyclone, they had a woman mm. who was uh, looking after some old people. Had them in a shelter, changed their mind kind of last minutes, uh, and moved them into a, a more secure shelter. Came back in the morning, and uh, the the first shelter was actually all blown away, fallen down. But the uh, she saved all. But the, she saved two dozen eighty year olds. Great, but the. Uh, uh, but but the, the the point is that because they didn't have to show images with it and they could just have pre-taped pre-taped stuff of, of people just giving mm. reports of what they saw they had the advantage radio had the advantage whereas tv so often think well we've got more to engage the audience yeah not not in this situation well that's what i think uh, i was watching sky news on the night because they had a live feed of um sort of a palm tree blowing so that was sort of in the background the whole time and you could sort of gauge it, but I was still watching it, and I, I like I watched it for a long time, and I, I, I don't know. You sort of hope that everyone's going to be fine, but at the same time, I was still waiting for a cow or something to go flying past this, um, this uh, uh, sort of shot they had, but it still didn't get much worse, and um, and it, it, it did sound like they wanted something really bad to happen. It, what, there was something in their voices that. What you're realising is that the, the nine hours of, of waiting and then sitting through a cyclone is nowhere near as exciting. While it might be devastating for the people on the ground, it's nowhere near as exciting television as a single episode of Storm Chasers, yeah. right? It's it, Because that's cut together, that's edited. This is all real time and in Storm Chasers they, they don't worry about having to fill three hours in the morning about the damage that happened in this one particular spot. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, and again, radio had the advantage because they could so easily just uh, cut to people who were on the phone and say, you know, and people who had really bad damage in their areas and say, what what's it like there? But if you're describing damage on television, you're wasting half your medium. Because you, if you can't show it. Yeah. Then what's... A, what's, a couple of twigs... What's the point? And then by mm. the time by the time you can get to where the report is, that show's finished, which is mm. great for the 11 o'clock news, but... You know, Mel and Koshy still have only a single awning to point at. Well, they, they, it was the same awning the whole time, and they cut to I think Grant, and he's um, he was on a um, Skype feed, and that cut out. So I thought, oh. okay, this something might have act- in Egypt. Just, no, no, not in <laughs> Egypt. No, that, no, no, Grant. He was um, he was at a banana field that had right. been. He said it was like nothing he'd ever seen before. Was he doing a lot of plugging of this is on my iPhone kind of? deal i heard i heard it was pretty obvious that he, he seemed to be pushing uh to to get a bit of a product or or something was he from yeah. apple yeah well it didn't work it cut out and cut back to koshi in the underneath the awning no but still he, he name checked them and and said Did he? this is the video from my iphone just uh very quickly brad uh you've got some news about uh top gear about top gear 
yes, the BBC has apologised uh, for all those Mexicans who may have been offended by uh, a bit of a racist joke from the Top Gear crew. This is Richard Hammond, isn't it? You're talking about the Top Gear. Well, I didn't actually see the part. It was Richard Hammond, and he sort of he was talking about cars relating to. He said oh, something about Italian cars and British cars, and then about a Mexican car being lazy, lazy, and, feckless, and flatulent. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's uh, really bad. Well, he said he wear they they wear blankets with a hole cut in them and lean on fences or something like this. Oh, that's that's uh, that's really that's really really especially because. Uh, Mexico for many, many years, basically up until uh, the uh, start of the last decade, uh, their their prime car manufacturer was uh, was the Volkswagen Beetle uh, until they discontinued that. So they bought the molds, I, didn't they? They bought all the molds yeah. from um, Germany. That's right. I yeah. think that they're still making them in Brazil, though. They do. Yeah, like the the rental car of uh, like. The, the standard rental car in Mexico is uh, a V-Dub Bug Cabriolet. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, oh, that's bad, Richard Hammond. Yeah. I that's, so that's, so they've, they've apologised to the Mexican ambassador to the UK. They've apologised for it, have they? Yeah. Would uh, it, so what did they say on QI? Did they say something similar about, about Mexicans, did they? Uh, I'm just uh, being redirected over to uh, to that site so I can let you uh, know. No, that, that was um, appa- apparently Japan. Well, Steve Coogan's weighed in on this and r- written an article about it, how he, he thought it was in poor taste and doesn't think it's funny. And he's been a guest on the show quite a few times. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going to be, be back on it. And he says that in his article. Um, but it was I, I just saw the clip I didn't see the see the see the show. Uh Well it was it was apparently a series of jokes about uh Sutomu Yamaguchi, who was a survivor of both the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atomic bombings, and uh, then uh, went on to say, joking about him being the unluckiest person in the world, and uh, then apparently the panel went on to joke about Japanese efficiency in regard to trains already running a day after the bombing, Um, and uh, a little insensitive. Um, it, it seems Stephen Fry's kind of taken a bit of a bent at that. Uh, you know, previously we've we've heard his uh, his thing about women not enjoying sex at all, and which is you know kind of smacks of misogynism, and and uh, a lot of people were questioning how he would know as a as a gay man. But but wasn't his his line was something like if women liked sex they'd they'd, they'd meet, be on they'd, beats as well. Yeah, yeah they'd, they'd meet up with other women in in. Uh, uh, in toilets and yep. and my answer to that is well maybe they've just got better taste. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, he does. Uh, it does make me wonder about uh, about QI. Is it just is it just going to become the uh, the the ravings of a dirty old man? Like is is that what's what's going to happen with Stephen Fry and our? There is a lot of intelligence in that show, but. I guess they feel like they need well, to film you know, the, the it entire can still half be the, hour. The intelligent ravings of a of a dirty old man. I'm sure they shoot about an hour and a half to get a, a half hour of TV. That's what normally happens. Well, yes, I, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing. So if if all this stuff is still going on, so it's an editorial you know, uh, decision that's been made. Yeah, yeah, it's still not live. Anyway, uh, that let's just lastly, uh, they're going to bring uh, Dallas back uh, with Larry Hagman. Oh, not Dallas in, Estate, Dallas the... No, no, because Dallas, Dallas the city still exists as, as a city. Not uh, a state. Dallas the, the city in Texas, the yes. state. Yes. Now, Josh, quickly, this, this, I didn't watch any of Dallas, and today was the first time I found out it was about two feuding oil families. 
and there's a guy with a hat in it. Is that pretty much the... That's, that's it? pretty much it. And it was a one-hour weekly soap opera. You never heard the whole Who Killed JR? Look, that does ring a bell. And, then, he, and then it finished up, it was all a dream. It wasn't Who Killed JR, it was Who Shot JR. There you go. Uh, it, that, is J.R. Ewing, is that? Yes. And he, he's the guy in the hat? Yep. Yeah. It, uh, it was uh, two brothers, uh, him and his brother Bobby. Bobby. Yeah. Uh, and Bobby was played by Patrick Duffy. Uh, Linda Gray played J.R.'s wife, Sue Ellen. They are all coming back for this new version of Dallas. Are and they it's gonna all be, in their 70s? Uh, Larry Hagman is almost 80. Uh, yeah. so, so yes, they, they would yeah, all be yeah. they would all be in their seventies, and it's about so this new season is going to be about their children, they're, uh, they're, their feuding children. They're still running the yeah the oil, still running the oil, uh, feuding and uh, and and spilling it in gulfs. So, Josh, do you think uh, more or less popular than the reboot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero? I think it will be. Uh, I think as popular. As mm-hmm. popular, that's a pretty low bar, in, anyway. In, but. Interestingly, interestingly, uh, Dallas is going to feature the Peach Pit, which the reboot of Nine Hundred Two One Zero did not. Ah, that was its mistake. That was its mistake, and that is the Box Cutters news. This is Elmo from Sesame Street, and you're listening to Box Cutters, baby. <laughs> no better introduction than that for the wonderful James Talia, who joins us on the telephone, returning. To the box cutters signal. How are you, James? That's right. I'm made of fuzzy felt too, so that's more than. <laughs> <laughs> that's also I'm good. How are, you, how are you guys doing? I'm 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 well. I'm well. We've got Dave Lawson in the studio. Hello, James. Hi there, Dave. Uh, and uh, and we've been talking. Yeah, hi, hi James. Brett here. <laughs> he knows you're there. He knows you're just, there. I was just introducing myself. We've been uh, we've we've been. You know, I don't think Dave and James have met. So no, I haven't. Let, they can start a band now. Probably not. Uh, 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 James, uh, Dave wants to become a journalist tomorrow. So can you fix that up for him? No. Well, I heard tomorrow. the the, yeah. bo- the box cutters launched your career into journalism. They they can say they say they can do the same for me. Yeah, oh, I've, I've no doubt. They have that kind of power, absolutely. Right, that's what they're telling me. Well, like, I, you know, I, I did try to make it clear that you did all those hard years at Win on your own. <laughs> that is true, but if you look around the place, there are a number of journos around now who do look as though they just decided last night to be journos. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, I think, would have to shave. But other than that, he's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, well, Occupational hazard. <laughs> just clean myself up a bit, get a little bit of a trim. Yeah, well, that's yeah. about it. That'll be fine, you know. They, 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 or you could, you know, sort of try to get back to the seventies vibe somehow, where you know, okay, just yeah. burgundy when all the newsreaders had those big porno mo's, yeah, well, and, well, and mutton chops. Um, is it is it uh, mandatory to get rid of the glasses? Uh, no, I'm, I'm keeping the glasses. Yeah, you you vary, and you know, before we touch on the heavy stuff, James, you vary on glasses on, glasses off. Yeah, I do. What I what do. brings what brings that decision about? These the hard-hitting questions. Hard-hitting questions on box cutters. <laughs> I do glasses on the road, but no glasses in studio because there are just too many lights coming from too many different directions. We'll see your auto cue if you wear glasses. Yeah, well, there's that too. Exactly. <laughs> what what about safety safety goggles? Safety goggles are acceptable at all times, on or off the road. Absolutely. Okay. You never know. You never know, Dave. Well, that's what I was thinking. If you're wearing them, it looks like something could happen. That's well, I think safety. I think safety goggles for a cyclone, for example, mm. would be would would be kind of mandatory. If if you're standing in the path of a level five cyclone, 
Category 5, Rating 5, what Category are they five. Category 5 Cyclone. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's the big one that they were talking about in Twister that they never get to see. Right, there, there is a big chance that a, a piece of dirt or a cow or a, a well-placed Pepsi can as part of the plot is going to enter your eye. Debris. Well, this is, this is true. It's somehow in Category 5 Cyclone, the safety goggles also seem kind of redundant, don't they? Well, yeah, because <laughs> they, they could get blown off your face. <laughs> Brett, you, you've, you've, been, you've been wondering about this a, a it's lot. It's freaking insane, isn't it? James Ford for, for all of these journalists and, and I probably heard about two or three dozen that were sent right into the very heart of the path of where this cyclone was going to go while everybody else in town was told get on the 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 soonest flight that you possibly can to get out of town and they were all sold out uh, as the planes were coming in to uh, take them away they were full of journalists yeah, but that's what journalists do. <laughs> Everyone forgets this. Do we you're need always, to? Like, is it is it running through the trouble? Yeah, but uh, like, it's a bit. Uh, Can't we just like, re- like the flood so stuff? On, it's ha- a bit stunt journo, isn't it? Brett, can I can I ask? Would you have them just report on satellite footage? Uh, no, it's it's there's, there's no nowhere near the same as being on the ground. I mean, I'm sure adequate precautions would have been taken for all of those people, whether they drove out a little while overnight and then drove back in again in the morning, or they somehow managed to find proper shelter. But I'm sure I'm sure they weren't just standing there on the beach rolling when the cyclone hit. Like you've got to be. I, I guess what I'm saying is it's a balance. You've got to be sensible about these things while knowing that you also have to be there to record it and report it. Do you think you don't? think that uh, it's pandering a little bit to those who who almost fetishise disaster porn and uh, turning the rest of the population down that track? Absolutely not. What are you talking about? Really? Really? If, if, If you raise the bar to here I am in the greatest size cyclone in the world that we'll ever have, don't people, doesn't that raise the bar and you need to outdo yourself again down the track? No, these aren't things you need to beat up. Right? This is like the fires in Victoria two years ago, two years ago today. Uh, you don't need to beat up a story like that. It is as bad as it looks. It was the biggest cyclone that had ever hit that part of the world. Um, the floods in Brisbane were the worst since 1974, mm-hmm. which, which is on a hill, had flash flooding. That's kind of unusual. You're not making up how bad that stuff is. Uh, so I think to call it disaster porn is, is really no, but insulting. But it's about taking the cameras right into the middle of it. Well, where else are you going to take them? It's, well, it's, it's like... You're going to sit on the sidelines and say 100 kilometres up that way, we understand this is what's happening. It, it's, it's like with the, uh, with the situation in, in Egypt, and, and we discussed this before with, uh, with riots uh, in other parts of the world. There are the choices that, that journalists make, and they either go right into the middle of the fray or they take shelter behind a wall. But, uh, A, no one is going to... Uh, I mean, you you can still do good storytelling from from either perspective, but one you are getting a lot more of the reality of the situation. I would think. Well, yeah, you can say that, but also, as I said, you've got to balance that with being sensible. Now, um, I think we spoke last year after my colleague at Nine, Brett McLeod, was uh, covering. Uh, the uh, riots on the streets of Bangkok and mm. someone just a few feet away from him was shot dead by the army as as the soldiers approached. Um, now, I guess they wouldn't have been standing where they were unless they felt relatively comfortable doing so, but after that had happened, they sure got the hell out of there. So this is what I mean about being sensible. You're not going to risk everything um, 
when it's when it's not necessary or, or when it's going to be extremely dangerous. But uh, until it reaches the point where it's extremely dangerous, you really need to be there in in the thick of it as much as you can be. And I am feeling for you guys, and and you know we saw what happened with Peter Lloyd and and what happens with journos who are kind of put into that situation, and and it's like they're they're very much expected to do it. They almost can't say no, can they? Um. Uh, well, you you could say no. Yeah, but, sure you uh, could if you if you didn't want to further your career. With every expectation of probably not getting a job like that again. I mean, look, I think things are a lot better and more sensible than they were in past times as well. But the fact is the job is what it is, and it's getting the news. So yeah. that, that basic thing isn't ever going to change. Can, can I kind of s- simplify it or maybe even oversimplify it? Uh, in in my mind, there are two kinds of of journo's. There is Peter Parker, and there and there is Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen, who always wants to go into the danger, uh, and uh, and Peter Parker, whose editor is always sending him angrily out into the danger. Uh, yes. Are there are there actually young journo's who who are begging for these for these stories? Really want to get sent out, or is it is is it a little bit more sensible, or is it or are there danger hunters? amongst people in the newsrooms certainly yeah i think um you can then talk about two different another two different types of journo um there's a lot of the young ones who do want to throw themselves into that kind of situation because it might be their break you know if they do really well then they get that job next time around and that's i guess how you become senior then there, there are there's another subset and they're generally, I guess, um, war correspondents who are, as you put it, danger hunters. Um, and you know those guys when you see them. Um, <laughs> there is, there is. I, I don't want to, you know, single anyone out uh, to be disparaging, but one guy who springs to mind is an Australian named Michael Ware, who started out working for Time magazine and then moved to CNN, spent years on end uh, in... Baghdad and Iraq and clearly just loved it but there was a uh, a story about him in the Australian late last year saying that he had come back home to Brisbane and really wasn't quite sure what to do with himself and his friends were a touch concerned about his welfare um, that happens I think with some people it reaches the point where um, you get so accustomed to living your life that way day in day out in danger that when you're out of that, you're not quite sure what to do with yourself. This, this kind of hurt locker mentality. I guess, yeah, to an extent, that's right. James, as well, they've sent, sending in a there's a camera crew and a sound sound guy with you as well in these situations. Do you do you struggle to get? Uh, are there some? In, in, let's just say in a cycling situation, do you struggle to get them along, or that's what they do and that's their job? No, it's the same thing with them. That's that's their job, and uh, uh, I guess some of the older ones who have been there done that, make that clear, and perhaps. Generally, it's more of uh, the younger ones that are willing to go into that sort of situation. But no, look, if if you're putting your hand up to go to that sort of thing, they're they're up for it as much as the, the journo's are. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was thinking that because there must be you know, camera with families and but that's what they that they're, they're um, journalists as well or video journalists or what would you call them? They're, that's their line yeah, of work, I, isn't look, it? They're photojournalists, yeah. I guess. Um, you know, I've always thought. Uh, you know, a lot of journalists swan around talking about my crew, but the fact is, um, they can't get a story to wear without you. But you sure as hell can't get a story to wear without them either. Yeah.
Yeah. That's just the way that goes. And uh, now just uh, kind of moving on and, and on from that, uh, you know, you're in the crowd with, uh, with uh, suddenly the army opens fire and a guy five feet away from you gets, gets it in the neck. Um, move, it, move it to, uh, to Egypt where you're, uh, you're kind of reporting on two sides and, uh, and a despotic government um, and, and all that sort of stuff, and then suddenly the mob turns on you. Uh, that's that's got to be pretty ter- terrifying, doesn't it? I would think so, yeah. That's um, probably one of the worst examples we've seen, certainly in recent times, of um, journalists uh, coming under fire from from mobs, uh, from from thousands of very angry people. Uh, certainly there was one journalist killed there last week who um, was an Egyptian. He was a local. But, mm-hmm. uh, look, we've seen numerous examples, including among the Australians. Um, I know uh, the ABC had problems. John Lyons from the Oz uh, had his hotel room ransacked. And uh, Pete Stefanovic, who was our correspondent there, he and his crew were bailed up um, in a car by a mob which included police and they ended up having their gear confiscated. Now, apart from the fact that it's incredibly scary, you then obviously can't broadcast. Um, he uh, did something innovative and uh, this was the, 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 uh, the one of two occasions when this happened last week and he actually used his iPhone and Skype to broadcast, which um, is a sign of the times, I guess, but was a really innovative solution in a pretty hairy situation. I, I have to say, to, to Peter Stefanovic's credit, I, I have for a long time uh, been disparaging of, of him. When, when he was uh, LA correspondent and I continually just referred to him as Carl Stefanovic's little brother uh, and, uh, and just always felt like he you know, had no business being there. It was, just, it was entirely nepotism. The reports that he's come through with from, from Egypt have, have been really impressive. But I also have to wonder, did he root somebody's sister? Like, he, he had the cushiest job at Channel 9... And and now he's found himself in uh, essentially a, a riot war zone. Well, it depends how you think about it. It comes back to the, the question you were asking before. What what kind of stories do journalists want to do? Well, you know, I, I guess in LA, um, I mean, there's a lot of incredible stuff that happens in the States, but also in LA you have the awards season, you're suiting up for red carpet duty, all that sort of thing. Um, uh, when But when the big one happens like this, who doesn't want to be on it? And, well, I, but I, I also I have to agree with your point that I think he's he's really an excellent TV reporter. And um, to turn your point around on you, Josh, I think he's actually had to um, achieve that status while overcoming the thing of being Carl's little brother as well. Well, I I, that's that's the realization that, that that I'm coming to. I mean, you, you talk about the stuff that he can do and and the way he can think on his feet in. Uh, uh, in, in situations like like Egypt, yeah, or or as uh, that uh, Miss America contestants would, would, would have said, Egypt and such, <laughs> as, uh, yeah. so, and on. and that it's it's quite likely that you know if there was nepotism involved and he did get the LA job because he is Carl Stefanovic's brother, that all falls by the wayside now. Like now, it seems like Carl is Peter Stefanovic's brother. Well, but I don't think uh, I, I, I'm firmly of the, the view that Pete didn't get the LA job just because he was Carl's brother. But with those foreign postings, it's too big a risk to to play the nepotism card like that. You know, if someone's no good and you're in a bureau of two reporters, you got you know the bosses have got big problems. 
I've, I've never seen Pete as being in that category. Well, if no. you're going to bring reality into the situation, James, and just you know destroy any fantasies of uh, of Channel Nine boys talk that I have in my mind, I mean, it's, you know, sorry about that. Come on, That's, really, James. Uh, while we're while we're on Carl and uh, his his uh, quest to become uh, known as a, a, a serious journalist, um, and uh, given Larry Emder's been locked down by Channel Seven with a new contract, uh, are you next on the list for uh, hosting uh, uh, today? Yeah, clearly, because I'm so good early in the morning, Brett. <laughs> Have you met James Talia, Brett? It's, yeah, but you know, yeah. that's it, that's breakfast telly money. Yeah, he was... You uh, could do it for that. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, even that kind of wage would be enough to cover the bill for the uh, daily array of smashed alarm clocks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, James, we thank you very much for joining us on the Box Cutters Telephone. You have, as always, been a voice of sanity. Uh, and, uh, and, and That's a first. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I'm mistaking you for someone else. No, you always come in with, you always come in with logic and, and take all of our lack of information and turn it into information. It's not hard to out-logic properly. <laughs> Maybe. Thanks, anyway. Hey, I'm, I'm looking See, out for you guys, James. He's, he is. He's just. He's just worried about your safety. I have to say, I did hear that SBS for the cyclone for their uh, for their correspondents, they did give them uh, weighted harnesses. Just, weighted harnesses. I'm making that up entirely. Oh, yeah, I but, thought they would have been doing well to get umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Bring James. Your own raincoat. Have a good one. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Hi, this is the fabulous Adam Richard, and you are listening to the Box Cutters. <gasps> I love them. They're very exciting. And now here's my famous catchphrase. You ready? Say hi to your dad for me. Oh, maybe that's not mine. What? Ah, uh, oh, Harry's Law. Hi. Harry's Law. <laughs> hi. So, Harriet. Yes, Harriet is the Harry in Harry's Law. Harriet Korn is a well-regarded patent lawyer in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, is it? Yes. Okay. Did did she patent the Harriet Corn from Monsanto? Uh, n- no. Apparently, it's a uh, Roundup resistant corn. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, may- maybe she it's did. Not making that right. up. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Hi, Harry's Law. Harriet Corn. Is it? Are you caught in a loop? Is there a glitch in the matrix? No. What's going on? Uh, so yeah, she's she's a patent lawyer. Mm. Yes, this is a show about a patent lawyer, and that's just where the implausibility starts. So she's uh, she's fed up with her job, and following a series of unnecessary coincidences, she opens up a small practice in a bad neighbourhood of Cincinnati. And her assistant from her previous job, Jenna Backstrom, or Backstrom, Backstrap, mm. Lamb Backstrap. Joins her, and they discover that the former occupant of the uh, shop front that they've uh, that they've rented was a shoe seller who has closed up and left in a hurry because all of the stock is still there. So they open. They're evicted. A so simultaneous law firm and shoe, shoe store. This is the then these are expensive shoes that they've left behind. Yes, this is the, the first problem with the show. Yes, so so you're you're. You're verifying this. It means that I'm not making this up. No, this is, I've, I've seen episode one. Right. So th- th- these are expensive. What they're like, I heard the word Manalo Blanix or and yeah, all these. We all know from Sex so and the City. This is a, a, a rough neighbourhood. Yes. That hasn't <laughs> stolen the shoes yet. Yes. 
Yes. Right. So that's the implausibility just adds up yeah. and multiplies and but multiplies. Of course, nobody from the neighbourhood went into the store, uh, and so they didn't know uh, what was in there. Then, mm. oh, yeah, then, wait, yeah. we're not finished. Okay. We're not finished. I know. It gets more. Then another lawyer turns up out of the blue and announces that he's going to join Harriet in her new practice. Well, that's one of the but coincidences. It's, yeah, it's, it's not entirely out of the blue because he had previously sent Harriet into the hospital after randomly hitting her with his car. Uh, they were also at one time opposing counsel on a patent law case. Uh, this guy, his name is Adam Branch, but he looks a lot like Tom Jeter from Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Because he is. Ah, oh, he also looks a lot like Rob Cordry's little brother, Nate. Well, he has the same surname, I wondered. Right. Uh, so <laughs> then, so, so either way, either way, yeah. uh, Adam Branch, here to stay, because uh, he's just decided. So then the underprivileged and exploited start walking through the door and start requesting a whole bunch of pro bono work. Yeah. And the, the rest is pretty much like every David E. Kelly show you have ever seen since Pickup And it's Fences. a shoe shop, a shoe shop on the side. Yeah. It's, so a sh- they, it's a shoe slash law firm. So clearly they're making money from selling the shoes because they're not making any money from the, from the, the law cases because nobody can afford to pay them because they're all exploited and underprivileged uh, uh, mm. poor people or, or immigrants just trying to uh, make a buck in this hard-to-get-around world. Kathy Bates starts hobbling people in it, I might start watching it. Because this does start... Kathy Bates as, as Harriet mm. or, or Harry. Harry. Uh, she's, uh, she's seen a lot with a gun because that's just kind of crazy woman she is. When we first see her, she's in her patent law office with her feet on the table, smoking a, a spliff and watching Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm. That's how she decides that she no longer wants to practice. So I've only seen episode law. one. Does it... Does it Progress? It becomes more of a generic David E. Kelly right. uh, courtroom drama where uh, you've got you know wacky characters, wacky cases, uh, some really fun dialogue, some cheesy schmaltzy bits, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, you, you oh, know... Cause the cheesy schmaltz. The cheesy sh- But, you know, he had it with... It, it's, it's Picket Fences, it's Ally McBeal, it's The Practice, it's that one that you it liked with Boston James Spader. Legal, I don't think. What do you mean it wasn't with Boston Legal? That was well, all about kooky sure, lawyers sure and crazy... they have excellent, excellent closings and, and stuff. But uh, the, the magic about uh, Boston Legal was the James Spader, uh, Captain Kirk, uh, closing scenes in, in every show and, and that but, relationship there. But and, you're, you're talking... You're saying that the entire show was... Like, could have just been... Cut down into three-minute webisodes. No, no, because uh, because then you miss out on the closings, which are awesome as well. Right. This is. Did, did you like Harry's Law, Brett? I didn't mind it. It's it had one saving grace, and that was Christopher McDonald, who who appears in episode two and three. Well, yeah, he, he and, first appears uh, in episode two. I think yep, he's yep. going to appear more. It feels like yes. that. Yeah. So so. Uh, 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 Dave, uh, we have the rule of three uh, with box cutters reviews, yeah. which is the first one's the pilot, the second one is uh, exposition, and the third one they can get going. The pilots often will have a completely different cast. Uh, well, maybe not often, but but sometimes has a completely mm. different cast uh, look at being human. Um, but they reshot. I mean, obviously they reshot that with another episode. Well, the character of Adam was someone else in the pilot for this one, not for Harriet's Law, I think. Oh, was it? The, uh, is it Adam, uh, Nate Cordry was. There was, no, no, that was him. That was him. He was in the pilot. So is the first episode the pilot? Yep. So yep. Oh, Right, okay. 
Right, okay. But it did look like it had been, uh, you know, chopped around for six months and then and then actually got. Well, because this is this is a uh, a mid season replacement, which is kind of, you know, it's a David E. Kelly show. It stars Kathy Bates, but it's coming in in the middle. Like no one, NBC is not is not launching this as their brand new saviour show. Mm. They're just they're just and Kathy putting it Bates, out there. She she doesn't have any form, does she? She she's never carried a show before. Not well, a, she's, she's a good actress. Uh, misery. She she don't say, don't say she's a good actress so dismissively. She is a magnificent. No no no. Actress. no that like wasn't is, dismissively at she all. Is, like, she is one in of the Wag best. the dog. She's amazing. She is wasted in this. She's just she's just turning up and smiling at the. And camera. it's like those mm. those closing things at the end of the second episode uh, where they are all so happy that they were hugging and she was I don't I don't hug, just leave me alone. And then she. Like I'm sure there was some Vaseline on that lens as she was looking off into the middle of distance, and her eyes kind of welled up a little bit because she was so happy because she'd done a good thing. She, she does the voiceover as well for it. There's a voiceover at the start. Or yeah, that, that doesn't the whole con- way through. That doesn't continue on. That's just at the start. That's just, That's a, just okay. explaining the coincidences okay. and when okay. life gives you a message and you should follow it. Yeah, so okay. it doesn't. And it doesn't continue on for the other. Set episodes. up a law practice in a bowling alley with uh, shoes. Yeah. That you rent out. Yeah, it's 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 aired with Kathy Bates, uh, to to some extent. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he, here's the thing: much like all David E. Kelly shows, uh, I would I would watch it if it was on and I was home because it's it's entertaining dialogue, mm. it's inoffensive uh, characters. I hate it. Like I just I, I I hate it for a reason that is not because it's bad, because it's bad television or anything like that. I hate it because it's cynical, because it's easy for him to just rip this stuff out, because it doesn't matter what the characters' names are. He's got the he's just got quirky lore, you know, at the wazoo. I'm sure he's got cards and cards What's and his cards thing of with it. Law. Um, maybe he was an ex-lawyer like John Grisham. I don't know, but he just he just he does writes that. good closings. He can just in a, in a an idealistic world, and so he can just he can just whip this out one after the other after the other. Actually, it is cynical TV making. Interestingly, uh, he has form for uh, shows where the the main cast never lose a case. They lose a case very early on in this one. Yeah, they they get a guilty. Yeah, that's kind of irrelevant though. Um, and you so, know, uh, it's his, it's his first time uh, in a law practice away from one of the coasts. Uh, well, he's usually he's usually in Boston. He has a lot of a lot of stuff that is. Alan McBeal was there, uh, but it's not the first time away from the coast because Picket Fences was in uh, Rome, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, Kathy Bates seems to put up with a lot. What, what's her um, the girl who's her assistant in it? Ah, oh, uh, is Backstrap, Lamb Backstrap. Yeah, Lamb Backstrap. Lamb Backstrap. Played, <laughs> uh, played by Brittany Snow. Brittany Snow. I mean, she's putting up with a lot with her. She's she's all about the shoes, and she's the one who initiates this whole shoe sh- store from the start. Yep. Because yeah. yeah. just it's, get rid of the shoes. Just we're just a law firm. I would say if I was her. If 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 you were Harriet. Yeah, if I was Harriet, so say, we'll get rid of the shoes. This, no, is, this is not a. But but she's fabulous. She she wears uh, silver lame uh, tops to work while she sells these. Well, the only the only thing very that very expensive shoes. The only thing that that rings true about that, and yes, ordinarily you would expect mm. 
Harriet to just go, you know what, get out of here with the shoes. You cr- you crazy. Why why did you leave a high paying job for clearly I can't pay yeah. you anything? You, you crazy crazy woman. Uh, <laughs> in, instead of that, you've got a woman who just doesn't care. So so maybe what the, you know she doesn't right. care about her own life. She doesn't care. Anyone can do whatever they like. This guy can turn up and uh, and start working there, and she just won't argue with him. Her assistant wants to start selling shoes, and she just won't argue with yeah, her. Yeah, okay. Uh, this other guy is into, you know, she doesn't care, but what she's finding is something to care about. And every episode is about her finding something to care about. And if that sounds corny, it's because it is. There are really, really corny bits in it. I also, don't think it's going to last. Also, I'm concerned about uh, how many different types of gang members they can have walking through the door menacingly, or, only to turn around with, uh, we, want to, we want to stop breaking into cars, but we've got this device, and, and we were told we could come to see you to get a patent for it. Yeah. 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 How, 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 often, how often are... It, it's like, do you remember the, uh, the gangs in different strokes? Like... There were bullies and gangs in different strokes that were not like the real dangerous gangs of New York in any way whatsoever. It was just dumb 13-year-old kids wearing matching jackets. <laughs> they, these, these seem to be the gangs in, in Cincinnati. It's like, it's like Cincinnati's... They're like bowling teams. Yeah, they, they're, they're more like bowling teams than they, <laughs> than they are gangs. They're just wisecracking and, you know, no one's... Sl- sl- I think... The only oh, welcome back, Cutter. Oh, welcome back, Cutter. The uh, the problem with uh, with this is that it, Kathy Bates has a character. Her character is the only one we we see uh, smoking drugs, shooting guns. She's doing all these things that uh, that all the gang people and all the people that she's defending are supposed to have done, but we never see them do it. If the show is about Harriet Korn, it's a very adult, depressing, straightforward show. But we don't see that. There's no story of Harry Korn. There's just the story of how wacky are the slums of Cincinnati. Right, but so, okay, so she only turns up, you only see her in her office. Because I think in the first episode, which I saw, you don't really see her home life too much. Is it just. Yeah, you, d- you don't see, no, you don't see no, her home life. Just office the sh- and the courthouse. Office and yep. courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I think there are elements in here that are maybe pandering towards. Uh, you know, it's it's set set in a red state. Uh, it's uh, it it has a message that's if not pro gun, then definitely not anti gun. Like she's she's got a handgun. She keeps it all the time, and she she shoots rats with it, which is legal there. But you know, it's it's a bit like Denny Crane. Yeah, but it's also it's also fighting, pro, fighting for for. Uh, it's the also pro charity, pro, pro healthcare, pro welfare. It's yeah, you know, but it's, it's, it's but it's aspects. the wealthy. It's the wealthy former patent lawyer who's made lots of money, and it's about uh, you know trying to encourage I... them to to uh, be be a bit uh, giving with with their uh, grandest. That is another thing that I hate about it. it is it is is just another white person coming to save the black person. I mean that's that's what this is. This is a well, this she is, just knows the rules of the game. It's not that she's this is there a, to save the black people. It's a white savior complex thing. Like I just there, there is so much to hate about this show uh, in in its uh, in its kind of meta state, but the show itself is entertaining David E Kelly writing. It fills me with conflict. Yeah, I, I found myself smiling to myself at a couple of 
points in it when things start to go right for Harriet, when she finds the store, I almost wanted to pump my fist in the air. Like I, I, <laughs> I did enjoy it. It is enjoyable to, it is enjoyable to watch, I mean, but there's a lot of cheese throughout it. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's unbelievable, a lot of it, but I, it, I, I would definitely watch another episode if I could get hold of one. You know, Chris McDonald is he's he's basically a baddie. He, he, he's uh, going up against uh, the boy in the the practice uh, at uh, Harry's Law, Harry's Law. Um, but uh, his his gold, uh, he's he's almost uh, jumped out of the screen from uh, Requiem for a Dream and and become a lawyer. He's got. He's got these massive flat screen TVs behind him, which just have these slideshows of him with presidents and and you know got got his uh, child baptized by the Pope and and all that sort of stuff. Like it's it, it's all about him uh, promoting Tommy Jefferson all the way through. And and I I find that character very entertaining. Is that the DA, the person who plays? No, the- no, that's a he. He only starts in episode two. Okay, right. Uh, he is very entertaining, and Chris McDonald is a is a great. Uh, villain in in anything, mm, right? Mm. But uh, that's so cartoony, and there are, and this is what there there are parts of this show that are just really cartoony. There are parts that are really cheap, and then there are parts that are trying to be hard hit hard hitting courtroom or well, police drama. Wasn't that indicated indicated at the start as she was uh, you know bored and smoking the joint know, and watching just, the cartoons? It it just doesn't it just doesn't work for me, and it it kind of it makes me a little bit carsick. But Brett, you'll you'll keep watching it. I'm, gu- I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, is it coming up on local TV? Uh, it I'll is. record it definitely. It is. It will be. Uh, Nine have the rights to it. I'm guessing this feels like a gem show to me. Feels like it would appear on Gem. I think they've uh, promoted it as uh, one of the new comedies coming up this year. So, so I reckon that's on their main channel. On on Nine. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's coming up later on this year, either middle or late this year. That's Harry's Law, David E. Kelly, Channel 9. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. Uh, now, I, I saw a, uh, a, a telly movie, a 1996 telly movie of Heart to Heart, the Heart to Heart franchise. Uh, I, I know. Like what telly are they doing? Movie. Was that was that uh, like their backdoor pilot, or was that uh, no, no? This is nineteen ninety six. Oh, Brent. what? Right what? now, I, I looked. The guy who played Max died in nineteen ninety four. So uh, this is called Till Death Do Us Heart, and uh, and it's the it's it, but it's still the same uh, Jonathan and and yeah and Jennifer Stephanie Powers and uh, and so so they're celebrating their uh, their wedding anniversary. Uh, there is some. Actually, let's uh, let's play the the first clip. This is uh, this is a, a little bit of uh, the intro. Oh, darling. Whoops. It's your wife, Mister Hart. Thank you. Hello, sweetheart. Jonathan. You're not flying the plane without a co-pilot again, are you? Safety is my middle name. Co-pilot sitting right next to me. Munich is even more beautiful than I remember. Munich? Isn't that a coincidence? 
I'm flying over Germany right now. Well, then maybe you can come to my party. Uh, blah, 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 yes, blah, 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 blah. It's my yes. anniversary. Aren't we cute? Oh, we're, we're old and we're still in love. And look at that. I've got the dog sitting in the co-pilot's chair while the actual pilots are back in the plane playing cards or something. He's, oh, he's wearing Steve Jobs' uh, outfit 20 years hilarious. before. Uh, so, so that's that's it. That's you know their their relationship is just ooh, aren't we in love and uh, and hilarious and oh, we're going to get into mischief and then oh, when they met, it was Moira. It's a and bit like the the Bahamas look lovely. Simon, take us there and yeah, you know, in our private yeah, Josh, it's been heart to heart. I'm, I'm a bit lost here. Heart to heart. It was a TV show. It, it was a 1970s TV show, right. uh, and uh, about a, a married couple who also solved, solved crime. crimes. Okay, great. Okay, <laughs> of course. good, good. Uh, and so, and so they're 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 in Munich, and uh, and Stephanie Powers looks very much like this other woman who is also in Munich, who just happens to be engaged to a, uh, a, a an oncologist, uh, and the oncologist is in charge of the bone marrow transplant for this little kid, whose name also happens to be Max. Uh, and Stephanie Powers, oh, uh, what's her name? Hart, Mrs. Yeah, Hart. Uh-huh. Uh, is uh, is the only perfect match for this kid in the world. So she has flown to Munich to become a bone marrow donor. Oh, she's lovely. Which is which is great. But there's a case of mistaken identity uh, with this other woman who is engaged because she is the heir to some kind of fortune. And her cousin, who is played by George Hamilton with a very bad non-specific European accent... Uh, has some plot, and I just, did I'm he, just going to just get into the a the, tiny, a tiny clip, the vampire thing, a tiny clip here. Oh, this is way past the vampire thing, <laughs> way, way, way past. This is 1996, Brett. Let me point that out. 1996. Love at first bite. That was yeah, what, that was it. 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 Was love at first bite. Uh, so it's just, just, just a little bit of how bad George Hamilton's accent is. It's right at the start. Can I the... bear eating alone, even when I was a small boy? You were never a small boy. I knew she wouldn't come. I win the bet. Name your pleasure. So he's, 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 a, he's a man of few words. She pulled a sword out there. But she, she, pulls, she pulls a sword his out. His non-small boyness. He's, he's a man of few words, but his, uh, his accent can only be described as... Generically European, yeah, it's got, it's, it's got a bit of German in there. Little German, a little bit of French, a bit of Czech, maybe a little bit of Czech, a little yeah. bit of Ukrainian. L- l- there's some Russian in there. It's he's really gone all over the shop. Just to in case you weren't sure of of his heritage, he doesn't know either. But his character's name's uh, von Ostenberg, so clearly he's uh, uh, Austrian. Oh, c- clearly, uh, clearly yeah. he's Austrian, yeah. Yeah. Austrian as well. Clearly, what, can you learn that? You might, you might be able to learn that as an actor. There might be a sort of a school where you can go and learn just generic European generic European accents. There's, uh, I think you can get uh, Belize tapes and learn it and and learn generic European accent. Oh, good. Why That's are they a- having this sword fight? It doesn't. Nothing in this. Nothing in this film makes any sense at all, Brett. The whole thing is uh, is is ridiculous. I saw this on. Uh, uh, it was it was listed on Fox Classics one night and thought, well, that's going to be a treat. Mm. And uh, and it really was. It was a treat in in understanding how far television has come in the last fifteen years. Oh my God! It was terrible. 
if you get a chance, absolutely see it. <laughs> Till death do us Shouldn't part. Absolutely miss it. Whatever. Either way, you you. You pick your poison. <laughs> but uh, Till Death Do Us Heart, 1996, the last heart-to-heart telly movie. Uh, it, it's, it's really, really terrible and worth seeing. Uh, just quickly, because we are now running late, uh, Dave Lawson, if you were going to watch one thing this week, okay. would, what would it be? Uh, I think Ben Elton's new show is on, so I really want to see what that turns out to be. What's really? it called? Really? Uh, are you a fan? No, well, he's already talked about how much he loves just waiting for a disaster to happen. <laughs> <laughs> disaster porn. I, there it I, is. I, I have. I, yeah, no, I, I am keen, because I, I just want to see what it is. You didn't work on it? No, no, don't know anyone who's worked on it. Don't know anything about it. Um got no vested interest just want to uh, see what it is i think it was uh, ben harris roxas who sent us the cranky review of uh, of yep. one of the uh, the episodes that somebody went to, to a taping of it's it's absolutely hilarious this review just makes it sound like exactly what i thought it was going to be uh so i'll like i'll watch it yeah i'll watch that first episode like everyone else will talking of the crowd of 200 <laughs> odd victims in his audience Oh, is that what, how he describes it? Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, is, I think, is it on Tuesday or Wednesday? I'm not sure when it's on, but I know it's this week, and uh, I'll check check the internet or something for mm. for details on that one. Uh, this It, it pretty much uh, sums up that uh, it seems worse than Hey Hey, it's that day. Really? Yeah. Uh, Brett, if you're going to watch... Uh... My one thing... See, I'm torn. I'm torn. Um, maybe I'd just uh, stick it on one channel and keep on watching for a couple of hours because Adam Hill's... Oh, that's such a cop-out. In Gordon Street tonight starts on uh, ABC One at 8.30 on Wednesday and then I get uh, get snuggled in and laid. The first uh, in the oh. series from Riccardi starts up. Oh, also yeah. That looks good. That, I've seen a couple of clips from that. It looks good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had some uh, some texts with uh, Marika earlier today, and she said she was very busy. It's probably because of that. She always is. It's, it's pro- probably because yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with also the also the ABC, uh, but I'm going to because the, this is if I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be Kidnap and Ransom on on the ABC, just because it's like 24 but British. It's it's a guy whose job it is to go into uh, into. Uh, countries where a rich person has been kidnapped and then has to try to negotiate with the kidnappers to uh, to, to get them off. But Ransom, it's called, is it? Kidnap and Ransom. Kidnap and Ransom. Kidnap and Ransom. Uh, but for those of you who heard our, uh, our review of Mike and Molly some weeks ago, that does start this week on Channel 9 on uh, Wednesday night at 8.30. Given that they uh, have had to hurriedly pull two and a half men, it seems. It seems everybody's uh, jumping off that after uh, Charlie Sheen's latest uh, uh, fracker, I don't know. The, the, billboards, the billboards still have two and a half men and shit my dad says side by side. Uh, but, you know, that's two shows I will avoid like the plague. Well, they've Mike shut down Molly, production on uh, two and a half men. Uh, Mike and Molly, though, the uh, first five episodes are definitely worth watching. Hey, um, when I cast my pod... It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Just quickly, before we bring in Toby Halligan with Trotters, I want to mention that we do have the Acme show 
which is Box Cutters Present 90s Nostalgia coming up the 24th of February. You can That's why you were watching that heart-to-heart telly movie. You thought you'd uh, roll some of that out for him? It was actually, I needed a break from uh, from all the press gang that I was, because I watched five series of press gang back to back and they went, I need something else. I need something that is not press gang and mm-hmm. uh, heart to heart telly movie. Uh, yes. So we're covering press gang and Degrassi, Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi oh, High. Uh, that's 24th of February at Acme. You can get your tickets on the Acme website. Joy Jeremiah. Yep. Running naked through the cafeteria. That's pretty much it. <laughs> All the way with Stephanie Kay, all of that. We're also asking if anybody has been influenced in their later lives by Degrassi or Press Gang. I know a lot of people have actually made career choices based on Press Gang. Uh, but if people have, have made choices in their lives or if these shows have affected them in some very special way, if you have access to a video camera of any kind, it can be on a phone, it can be on your computer, it can be any kind of... Uh, video camera at all if you could just give us a minute minute and a half we've got some questions on the box cutters website uh if you want to answer some of those questions to camera we're just looking to do a little bit of uh, a vox pop for the show we're going to cut it all together and uh and present that so if you could get a chance to do that and then send it to us we'd really appreciate it have a look at the box cutters website there'll be a link to that particular post on this episode, I think it's. Uh, entry. I, I'd like to share, but it's a, just a touch too personal that uh, I got pregnant when I was sixteen as a result of watching that Degrassi. Oh, really? Spike, yeah. the Spike story. She got was that her? Yeah, Brett, Brett and Spike. A lot of similarities. Mm. Lot of similarities. Mm. And now it's time for Trotters with Toby Halligan. Hello, viewers. Hi, um, thanks. Welcome, t- welcome, Toby. You've you've been very busy this episode. I I I have a novel. I have a novel. <laughs> um, uh, just out of interest, Ben Elton's show is premiering on Tuesday at nine thirty p.m. Just to throw that detail out there. Uh, just uh, that's Wednesday. Wednesday night. Look out for Ben Elton. Sorry. Sorry. I, I'm I'm just trying to help people out. Toby. Okay. Okay. It's Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday. But if you care for your sanity. Anyway, moving on. Um, To welcome Dave onto the show, uh, I've got a special segment, Are You Dave Lawson? Whereby I I measured how likely someone was to ask someone else if they were Dave Lawson using that uh, universal tool, Google Fight. Now, Dave had a relatively good ranking on Google Fight, getting 130,000 hits. So if you don't know what Google Fight does, is it actually uses the Google algorithms um, to measure how many hits a particular search term will get. So I compared, and they fight, so you put in two. So I put in Dave Lawson versus Josh Canal. Dave, 130,000. Josh, 1,220. Now, can I, can I just say... Never, Are you going to interrupt it by pointing out that it's a relatively common surname or something like that? That's, I was, yes. Well, okay, leave it alone. Right, Brett Cropley only got 811. I got 2,510. So thus far, Dave Lawson is conquering all three of us. But then I compared it to Stephen Curry. <laughs> <laughs> what did Stephen Curry get? 444,000. But oh. then just to, just to finally establish, I compared Dave Lawson to Guy from School. Guy from school got 72,700,000. So guy maybe that's school. why they constantly think you're a guy from school because that's that is such a universal. Really, really. Yeah, 
yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> there you go. We were talking about Top Gear. Uh, a couple of follow-up stories regarding that. Uh, a Mexican woman living in London has decided to bring a test case against Top Gear. Jewelry design student Iris De La Torre is to make a claim against the BBC under a new equality law. Uh, her lawyers are demanding the show be taken off the air. Clarkson's been undeterred. He wrote a column in The Sun yesterday where he said there are calls in Britain at the moment for all offensive humour to be banned. But what people don't realise is that without offence, there can be no jokes. And indeed, he finished his article with this joke. Mexico doesn't have an Olympic team because anyone who can run, jump or swim is already across the border. Mmm, Clarkson wins. Um, (laughs) In case you're not aware, this is not the first time Jeremy's gotten in trouble. There have previously been articles where he's commented that uh, the BBC feels that in order to balance out every blonde-haired, blue-eyed, heterosexual boy, the other person on a show must be a black Muslim lesbian. He's made comments about truck drivers murdering prostitutes. He called Gordon Brown a one-eyed Scottish idiot and the C-word in an off-air comment. And today... He suggested that Albania is run by the mafia and Albanians are all car thieves. Mm. It's, so, that just sounds like he's, he's, uh, he's recently read Aunt Julia and the Scriptwriter. Yeah. Yeah, it does a little bit. But, um, so, what, that was Albania, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that was Albania. I'm not sure. Interestingly, though, the response of the Albanian uh, ambassador was to just take the insult on the chin. <laughs> Accept it, so... Really? Really? Because if, if I was the ambassador, I would take that perfect opportunity to, to say, I know you are, but what am I? Well, absolutely. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have the English for it. Mm. Mm. Anyway, bit of racism for box cutters. <laughs> Apologies to all the Albanians out there. Um, we were discussing. Too late. They're knocking at the door. No, they're, they're angry. Um, the state of play in Egypt. In total, there have been 114 direct attacks on journalists and news facilities during the recent riots. And indeed, Egypt does have a very long history of oppressing journalists. Abu Zanar was an Egyptian journalist who was beaten for going through Tutankhamun's garbage. The Nile Chronicle was burned down after writing a story suggesting that the Pyramid of Nufu was crooked. And Cleopatra executed the editor of the Cairo Papyrus Scroll for publishing a scandalous story suggesting she'd had a sexual encounter with a Nile crocodile. The crocodile was, of course, Mark Anthony. Anyway, um, in slightly less amusing stuff, we were talking about... Can I just point out once again... Fox cutters making light of other countries' tragedy. Yeah, and look, I, I had to be careful how I ordered this because I actually tracked down some genuinely quite tragic figures about uh, journalists dying around the world. According to a report issued in 2006, um, between 1996 and 2006, a 1,000 journalists and support staff um, have died uh, uh, trying to report the news, an average of two a week. Um, in two-thirds of cases, the killers were not even identified and only one in eight of the killers were ever prosecuted. Um, only one in four of the, those media staff were actually covering war and armed conflict. The vast majority were covering the news in dictatorships, etc. A lot more uh, kind of trying to do investigative stuff in Russia. Mm. Russia has been, yeah, no, several journalists have recently been assassinated yep. covering stories on Chechnya. There was a recent incident as well where um, 30 journalists in the Philippines were massacred by a local baron. So... Mm, yeah, um, the other bit was funnier. Yeah, I, I did prefer was, that. Yeah. Going back to funny Thanks facts. For us hey, yeah. Going Hi. back to funny facts. Um, uh, uh, Brett was talking about whether or not Harriet's corn or Harriet corn had um, uh, been responsible for creating Monsanto's GM corn. Look, I couldn't find out whether she was, but let's hope not. Given in 2009 in South Africa, Monsanto's GM corn led to starvation after 80% of the crops failed. So if she was involved, Brett, the chances are any good she does in the show helping black people was far outweighed by the horrific damage she did to black people in South Africa. 
Okay. So let's Good hope she wasn't involved. I'm, I'm the yeah, first I'm to say that all Monsanto's uh, genetic patenting is bad news. I don't think you are the first to say that, Brett. <laughs> no, I, I, sure. I will be at the, at the, at the start of any queue at any given opportunity. What if someone gets there before you? Uh, Are you going to jump the queue? Is that what you're saying? In, in any discussion, I, I will be the first to say it, that I'm involved in. Mm. That's, that's how I want to say it. Sublime. Yeah. Um, we were also talking about the odds of the plot of um, Harriet Korn, Herzler, uh, uh, actually being accurate. They are, in fact, 2.4 million to one. The same as Sasquatch winning the Republican nomination for the 2012 election, a butterfly flapping its wings in Brazil, actually directly causing a typhoon in Japan, or Elvis being caught riding the Loch Ness Monster. Um, we we're also talking about David E. Kelly. But that's, that's really good odds for Elvis being caught riding the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, I know. It might, might, I don't know whether they're including Elvis impersonators there, though. What about Loch Ness Monster impersonators? That's a good question. Mm. Yeah, um, David, David e. Kelly. He was a lawyer, actually. He, he originally studied political science uh, at Princeton. Uh, and indeed, he. Uh, this is just to give a couple of odd examples of the kind of stuff he was doing. He wrote a paper for a political science class about John F. Kennedy's plot to kill Fidel Castro, written as a poem. Mm. Mm. For a senior thesis, he turned the Bill of Rights into a play. Achiever. Um, and then he went on to do law at Boston University. So And then marry Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. Absolutely. And oh, did he? lucky. They still married? Yes. Mm. Oh. Very lucky. Um, till death do his heart, no. I realised... I, I, I have really tried to break that marriage up yeah. quite a few times. and uh, You're not the first. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be America's best paid TV producer. Can we work on that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think sure. we begin today. But you know, if Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins broke up, they did. They did. They, yeah. Yeah. They they did. They did break up. Yeah. Uh, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Oh, see if they get back. If they no, get we're together. talking about Hollywood's greatest couples. <laughs> if they get together, I've got no chance. <laughs> I won't break that that relationship up. No, that'll be firm. No. A lot of people. It's part of you want to join, not break. What about Kathy Bates? Is she she hooked up? <laughs> Is Kathy Bates married to anyone? Oh, that's I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty sure maybe the mother from uh, really Six Feet Under. Uh, anyway, Toby, sorry. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, Toby, look, come I'm on. actually pretty sure. Next week. We've. Um, look, I, I don't know whether you mentioned any of the other seven, the titles of the other seven telly movies. Uh, no, but they're all they're all heart puns, heart to they? heart returns. Home is where the heart is. Crimes of the heart. Then old friends never die. What's with old friends never die? I don't know. All the others have a heart there. Two hearts in three quarter time. <laughs> yeah, that? I know that's terrible. Hearts in high season. Anyway, so I just wanted to. I just had to say some of them. Yeah, and that is trotters. Thanks, Toby. Uh, the answer to last week's quiz uh, is we don't know. Uh, nobody even bothered to write that in, mm. so uh, no one wins the prize. The question, of course, was how many times did we say Tatooine? And the that, asking of the question complicated everything. And that brings us to... The, no, just the question itself, I think, complicated everything. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 255. I want to say thanks so much to Dave James Wolf. Talia. Have you got a question for, for this week? Brett, what part of what I was talking about... Go don't you on. Go on. I want to say thanks very Go. much to James Talia for uh, phoning in and telling us all about journalism and how dangerous it is as a profession and uh, and how I'm great really Peter Stefanovic is. I'm looking out for. Franchise. I know. I know you are. I know you are. You just you're just doing it in the wrong way. I, was, I don't I want to be a journalist that. anymore. You don't want to be a journalist. No, too dangerous. Way too dangerous. Just keep being a comedian. Wake well, up at eleven o'clock. So I'm not even that. According to Wikipedia, and I don't have not updated this page. It says I'm a regular on the stand-up comedy oh. circuit. I've never done it once. Now this is something we were going to have after you were on the show last time. Is uh, is we 
we want someone to update Dave Lawson's Wikipedia page. Someone else has had a crack at it. Um, and uh, what is it now? I'm the great grandson of Henry Lawson. Right. So I'm uh, keep going with it. Change it. Do whatever you want. But but I like the idea of if you change if you change his career on Wikipedia, I've got to become it. If you, you have to become it, and then and then report back to us on, on what has happened. <laughs> Maybe but, that's that's a challenge for listeners. Like who can make the most original change to Dave Lawson's Wikipedia entry? Uh, a change that sticks, perhaps. Yeah, I like nothing that. hurtful, please. Yeah, Wikipedia is no, not a play thing, Toby. There'll be. Uh, <laughs> There'll be, uh, but but yeah. If you if you then go and have to do the thing, yeah. That someone, I, have so, to, I have to become the page. So, yeah. So so if some if somebody says Dave Dave Lawson yeah. opened the bowling for Victoria, I have the, to right. You have to try to try to do that. Yeah. I or think, near it. I think we've close, got sh- close I think we've enough. got a show in that, Dave. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been trying to get this one going for a long time. So it's you know I'll do whatever. I'll become the page. Yep. This is a cracker idea. Yeah. yeah it's well, a cracker idea. Dave Lawson, thanks so much. You, you will join us again, will you? you? Well, any time. I'm, I'm clearly just, not doing anything. <laughs> no, I'll, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll have something to sell next time, maybe even. That'd be great. If it's not my new Wikipedia show, it should be. You go and sell that now. Oh, I'll, it, this is the pitch. If, of course, there's some, you know, probably high-powered producers and people who commission these sorts of things yeah. out there. And there's I, your show. I'm, I'm the first one to say, Dave Lawson, excellent underrated talent. Yeah, oh, yep. We'll put that on the page. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Don't. <laughs> I don't know how to touch uh, it, so I can't take any of it off. Let's come back on Thursday. That's a good deadline for you to work to. <laughs> <laughs> Become the page by Thursday. Oh, yeah. Brett. Oh, until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Uh, I'm Dave Lawson. Toby Halligan. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by me, Josh Canal, and Toby Halligan, with help from Brett Cropley and this week, Dave Lawson. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, please go into the iTunes Music Store and write something positive about us, and then other people will also be able to find it. You can also do that on any website you choose. Uh, if you enjoyed this show, just go and tell people. Tell people in the street. That's what I do, constantly. They're sick of it. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and send us messages on the Box Cutters SMS line. Uh, that doesn't exist. Ah, I think I've, I've discovered. <laughs> we didn't get the message. That, 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 that no. does not exist. But you can uh, you can uh, email us hooray at boxcutters.net or use the contact us link on the blog, That's which right. is at boxcutters.net. Uh, who who uh, who wrangles the server? Oh, Pete Wilson. Thank you. Uh, is our is our server wrangler? He's uh, he's excellent. Also, John Richards usually part of the show every second week. You know. Uh, we still feel fondly for uh, Nellie Thomas too. Yeah, she's she's great. That's so smooth. Uh, so uh, yeah, last week uh, people people were upset because I just went, oh yeah, and by the way, Nellie's not coming back. Uh, like something had gone, nothing went wrong. No, no, no. nothing. She went wasn't wrong. asked to leave. No. So uh, where's uh, there's there's a whole explanation on the on the blog. Uh, if you go to last week's episode and, and read through the comments, Nelly did send us uh, an email to read out uh, that I have continually just forgotten to print out uh, to to read out. It, it is it is somewhere. It's, it, it goes. She loved working on the show. Is is what it says. But she's had to make some other decision. Uh, I just want to send those sentiments out, and that's kind of the same thing. What Toby? What what? You're screwing up your face. 
We're going to bring the email in and read it. Okay, well, you want me to find it now? I'll find it now. You don't no, no, paraphrase. No, Josh, uh, no you, you, you can't paraphrase. Dear box cutters, you are the love of my life, Nellie Thomas writes. Uh, I, I don't know how I could possibly have lived a life without you. You know, Brent, boys. I'm sure Nellie would really appreciate you, like, just putting words in her mouth. That was always something she consistently said on the show she really liked. Look, um, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, do anything if you uh, smoke one crack pipe uh, this week with that beautiful setup that you gave me just there, Toby Helligan. All right, all right. Here, here it is. Here it is. I found it. Okay, I found it. You happy? Yeah. You happy? Dear BC community, I just I wanted her to read it out, and I just we just never got around because she was on holiday. Bit of reverb. Stuff. Yeah. Dear BC community, it's coming up on a year. I've been a BC co-host, and sadly, it's time for me to depart the medium TV in my lounge room. I've decided that eight years at university the first time around just wasn't enough and that I can do more to expand my personal hex debt as well as drain the taxpayer. I'm going back to uni to be a mature age student. Please pray for me or at least send me some highlighters, a laptop and a less than generous attitude towards the young. But seriously, folks, I'm returning to uni to to do postgraduate study and no longer have time to dedicate to box cutters. I've thoroughly enjoyed my time as a BC host and being part of the wonderful BC community. Enormous thanks go to Brett, John, and especially Josh for all their dedication and hard work. They're too polite to say it, but they work very hard on BC for many hours a week for free simply because they love TV, the BC community. Thanks, fellas. I'll be back for guest spots, fill-ins, the crack pipe, and you can see me around the comedy traps if you want. Failing that, I'll be at the student union, assuming such things still exist, or in a dilapidated share house in Carlton. Thanks, and adios. I got nothing for you, Nelly Boxcutter. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to, or have just missed, Boxcutters. <laughs>